your mother. It's time for another episode of Birds with Friends. Just the duo. Of feathery, brethren, weather in any season to see the Eagles eating teams like Scrammy's top with cheese. It's Philadelphia. Both and Zach kicking it cooler than two. Penguins till Zach runs off with his valet keys. He's a real nuanced goose. Pull up a branch, get loose. It's time for some juice on some Birds with Friends. The early bird gets the worm, but prefers getting turned like a turn on some Birds with Friends. Both Zach coming at you with steps and things flapping. We are going to rip out the hearts of other podcasts. We are going to bite off their eyeballs. We are going to start every segment watching the scene from The Last of the Mohicans where the guy takes a bite out of the other guy's heart. We may not be good, but we're going to be nasty. We're going to reflect the blue collar nature of this city. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Birds with Friends on a Thursday afternoon, live from the Novacare Complex, Bowwolf. Zach Berman, Marissa Dunn, Zach and I are uh, separated by one wall here at the Novacare Complex. This is like a knock three times on the ceiling uh, kind of deal. Twice on the pipe. If the answer is no, Zach, we're here. We've got practice that we just saw the beginning of. We've got locker room coming up. We've got a lot to talk about. Lots of transactions, lots of injury news about this Eagles team. We've got a matchup with the Colts to preview, and we will close this episode by talking to Zach Kiefer, the um, splendid reporter who covers the Colts for The Athletic. We've got Swooper Sorecasting in the middle. And Zach, you look uh, like you may or may not be in an insane asylum. How are you? Doing great. I'm excited for this podcast. A little insecure about the background here. I, I Ever since we turned to a visual medium, which was about which was during the pandemic, but really full-time, Early last season, I've been very cognizant of our backgrounds. We've discussed that in post-game situations. And here we are in the team facility. And this, this, this the lighting in the background might not be what our audience is looking for, but the content, hopefully, is what the audience is looking for. There's much to discuss today and eager to discuss it. Marissa, what's popping in your neck of the woods? Not much. Like Zach said, there's a lot going on with this Eagles team. So I'm excited to hear what you guys have to say. Lots of transactions this week. So I don't suppose you're planning to make the trip to uh, Buffalo with three feet of snow or whatever it is. Yeah, I think I'm going to stay home for that. This one. Um, I don't like to drive when there's like an inch of snow. So um, I mean, we'll see if the game's played in Buffalo. But yeah, of course, um, the one weekend that the Browns are supposed to play there. That is the bit of a bit of a topic here in uh, the the. press area and then zach had a chance to puff his chest out and say oh, i know all about that lake effect snow i wasn't puffing my chest out i was simply saying i know all about that lake effect snow i lived it for four years it's no joke once it starts it comes down it comes down quickly just yeah. like the washington commander's running game just like that we it, should we uh relitigate the last show i i know there's been a lot of comments i've received a, a lot of comments on it i think some of my argument might have been or i shouldn't even say argument some of what <clears> i'm saying <throat> might have been uh misconstrued which i take responsibility for if i if 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 i didn't accurately suggest it what i was simply trying to say is that when a team turns over the ball like the eagles did um that is a major part for defeat there have been 42 times this year when a team has turned the ball over at least three times those teams have only won two games. 
of those 42. So you're looking at two and 40. So I, I stand by that. I don't think it's a controversial take to say that when a team turns over the ball at the rate that the Eagles did, then the side of the ball that turned the ball over has, has to bear some responsibility for the outcome of the game. Um, whether if, if that was interpreted uh, as me suggesting that the Eagles were fine on, on defense, then I, I take full responsibility. I certainly did not mean that. I just think something it's very important to, to distinguish the signal and the noise. Okay. And, uh, I, I like to focus on things that have material effects on winning and losing football games. And the numbers bear out that turnovers have more of a material effect than, on winning and losing football games than rushing yards allow. That the, the, I, I stand by the statistics there. Um, this is outrageous. Okay. <laughs> um, How long were you practicing this, this top of the show spiel to, to defend yourself? This is like, you came was, with receipts. You came with like, uh, you, you got to protect yourself. You're throwing out some straw man arguments here. What? How much were you practicing for this? This is this has not been practiced, uh, but I certainly take all comments and input into account, and uh, that's that's what I did here. So with that out of the way, I would love to discuss the the game. Oh, you get to say your piece, but then we get to move on. I don't get to respond. Yeah. Look, I, I, I think you and, and Professor Shulman and everybody else in our comment section really has, has stated their case all, all, all season long. But well, what I would say is, of course, turnovers matter more, but it's not really like incisive analysis to say, oh, well, they turned the ball over. That's why they lost. But like, of course, that's, that is obviously the most important thing. But I think the, the tenor of our discussion was what is a bigger concern? What is like a bigger, uh, I like what, what is the bigger reason to be worried about this team? What is their weakness? Yeah, I think it's I think it's the defense right now. But I, I wasn't expecting to have to jump right back into this bad boy right off. No, the so it's it, now you say the tenor of of the discussion. I listened back. I literally know where the discussion started, and that was where you were allocating turkeys to winning or losing. So we were specifically okay. talking about the cause of victory and defeat and so i very much think that that what i was saying lends uh you know i i i i stand by that but i don't i will not let the defense off off the hook the defense uh did not play well enough and they certainly must improve and the way they can do that a big part of that will be with a upgrade potential upgrade that they made this week in signing linval joseph Okay, we'll get to that stone cold news man but if we're going to keep having this conversation we, you, you know you talked about like the, if, if you want to relitigate it, the first half you were crushing the offense because they didn't have the ball. They scored up. They scored two touchdowns on five drives, on four drives rather. Two touchdowns on four drives. That's that's three and a half points per drive. That's that would be their best mark of the season. You're once still again, crushing them. Once again, I would. Look, we don't have to do this, but listen. I, only I, one of us I, is, I in would, a, is in a I, room with padded I, walls right now. I think we know where this is going. I would. I would put get the straight jacket on. next. I would push back on who's making the straw man arguments now, okay? Because uh, I I did not criticize the offense for its first half performance, but that is besides the you point. did at one point. Yes, you did. I referenced the three and out that they had, okay? But I I that is that is not what I said, and I listened back to the podcast in its entirety, and then I skimmed through it as well. So I listened twice, and so I I have a a good. Who sense knows of where you find the time? I think um, 
if we are if we make this less combative the the thing that i really keep harping on now as i think about it more and uh we we talked about this a little bit in in the post game podcast is that i think that that jonathan gannon's overarching philosophy of you know preventing the big play um inviting those longer drives which is to be you know to be to be fair is not just jonathan gannon's philosophy right this is a widespread philosophy um, across defenses in the league right now. I think that is a much better suited strategy to a team that is middle of the road or or worse, that is trying to limit possessions in a game. And I think that he and the defense need to be more willing to adjust in game, especially when it becomes clear that the opponent is trying to do that, to limit possessions, to make the game shorter. When you have an explosive offense, and I know you want to debate about the explosiveness in that game, but when you have one of the better offenses in the league and one of the better teams in the league, you want there to be as larger as large a sample size in the game as possible. And I also think what I, what I was just saying, like if, if the other team is playing the way that you want them to play and they are, they are winning, maybe you need to try to make them play a different way um, and adjust and make them play left-handed. Okay, I hear you there. I I I don't disagree. Um, yeah, I, I mean we can circle back to the defensive philosophy. I I I think it's a bigger discussion, but I think there's a lot that went on this this week that's 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 more worth discussion rather than relitigating the pot. Do what does that mean? No, I mean we're having the conversation. We okay. can, we can't have that conversation. Sure. So yeah, I mean I I. I think that the problem isn't the philosophy that I think the problem is the execution of it, right? Is that you need to get off the field. It's okay in theory to say that over 10, 12, 15 plays, the other team's going to make the mistake, but then a, the evidence must bear it out and you need to get them into known passing situations to force the mistake. If, if you're letting them in the third and two and third and one and third and three, and I put the stats up earlier this week about the amount of times they allowed Washington in the third and short situations. That's bad. That's problematic. That's egregious. They're also bad on third and long. They had their chances. Yeah. So, and, and so as I said the other night, this defense is built, is, is built to get you into known passing situations where they have the edge rushers in theory to get to the quarterback where they have the corners that they can play uh, in in coverage with. Um, and all that is for naught when a team is in third and two and third and three. The plays that that I think are more troublesome, more worrisome long-term for the Eagles was Terry McLaurin on third down, getting, you know, getting past Slay. And I and I referenced that. If philosophically you're about preventing explosive plays, then you can't lose the explosive play battle. Okay. And uh, so I, I feel very strongly with that, that um, Monday's game was bad for the defense because it, they did not follow through with their defensive philosophy, and then they also allowed Washington into too many third and shorts. Uh, at some point, you got to get zero or negative yards on first and second down, so they are in third and long or third and medium plus. Uh, third and short is a high percentage conversion for the opponent and that is simply not good enough yeah and, I, and I, in that game they were even when they did get them the few times they did get them in third and medium third and long especially in the first 
two and a half quarters, Washington still picked those up. And that was maybe, uh, as you said, maybe a bigger concern than the run defense. Although I do think that if you know what's coming, like 3.1 yards a clip is still not that great if, if, if you know what's coming. Um, but uh, I guess I guess that's neither here nor there. In terms of like rewatching the game, Zach, I don't know if you rewatch the game as much I as did. you re-listen to the podcast. But um, a few things, a few things that stood out to me that were different than what we talked about. I thought live that um, that Josiah Scott had played a fine game. He made that one nice play. Um, looking back, they did they did certainly miss Avante Maddox. I think that was a uh, a factor in. We have some breaking news. Ooh. Did they sign Sue? They signed Sue. Wow. Whoa. <laughs> Is it, were you getting this, Zach? <laughs> um, I mean, I'm basically the stone cold news woman. Over I thought here. you just hit I just thought you just hit it by accident or something, Marissa. This is fantastic. No, I saw the tweet come from Schefter. I'm like, you know what? I'm going for it. <laughs> wow. Zach, this was on your radar, huh? This was on my radar, but admittedly, when the Joseph signing happened. I, I I didn't think both of these would occur. Um, yeah, I, I, I when they had the open roster spot after after yesterday, I was curious what was brewing. I did not think that was for Janarius Robinson. This is this is a a huge move right here. Okay, um, this is uh this is an admission that they need help on the interior of their defensive line, and. Man, this is a going for move in the in in the sense you're not sacrificing future assets or future cap space, but you make this move because you think there's a hole you must shore up this season. This is essentially like trading for a defensive tackle at the deadline when you sign a guy like Sue or <clears throat> you sign someone uh, like Joseph. So uh, thank you for prompting us in there because I did not have Twitter up, but this is uh, – this is huge. I, I I see on the right hand pad. I see on the comments is Sue washed. I don't know. I haven't seen Sue play this year. He hasn't played this year. <laughs> he hasn't played uh, this year. No one has seen him there's play. There's obviously more name recognition to it, but um, the the situation the Eagles were in on Monday was untenable with Fletcher Cox playing 70 snaps. Okay, and now Marlon T is out. You don't know when uh, Jordan Davis is going to be back. It it, it might be mid December, late December. Uh, so I, I understand why they did this when you're, I don't know if Sue can be a difference maker, but I like them going for it. Yeah, this is interesting. Um, obviously Sue is not a nose tackle, right? Um, so he's here, I would imagine to help spell Fletcher Cox. You mentioned it. He played a ton of snaps. Um, and we can talk later about what he said about playing those ton of snaps in the locker room. Um, you know, I, this is like a Howie Roseman thing. You've, you've got a shot here. Go get these guys. Um, they've now got like the front seven. They've got 30-whatever-year-old Sue, 34-year-old Linval Joseph, you know, 32-year-old Fletcher Cox. They go out and trade a fourth-round pick for 32-year-old Robert Quinn, who hasn't really done anything in his first three games. You got Brandon Graham, who's 33, 34 years old. Uh, this is not like the most spring chicken uh, front seven that they've got working right now. Uh, we'll see, you know, when Jordan Davis gets back and, and Milton Williams has played better of late. But, um, you know, I guess you gotta you gotta spread the snaps around if you've got this this geriatric front seven. But we'll see. I mean, you know, you can't you can't be expecting Linval Joseph and and Dominic and Sue to come in here and and, 
you know, light it up right away. They're going to probably have to play themselves into shape. I'm curious to see how much Joseph plays this Sunday. Um, but this is this is certainly interesting. Yeah, I, I think this is a move made for for January, right? Uh, this is yes. uh, this is a move that's that's not made to beat the Colts or beat the Packers. This is a move that's 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 that that's made to give you more pieces in uh, on Christmas Eve against Dallas in the second round of the playoffs. If they have to play an opening round game, an opening round game in their hopes, a championship game and potentially thereafter. Right. So uh, you you saw in 2017 the benefit of depth and the Eagles were getting thinner on the line. Um, like you mentioned, they have older players. They, they need to be cognizant of the workload of these players. And Sue comes in, an established, proven player here. Uh, huge move. Looking forward to finding out more about it. But, yeah, big move for the Eagles. I do. Like, this does – somebody asked in the chat, why didn't they do this two, two weeks ago? It does feel like they should have had one of these guys in at some point. Um, like, this is not a thing that is, is catching us by surprise. Right, that they need defensive linemen, and to be fair, we don't know. Like they could have been working on this for a month, um, yeah. and waiting to find the find find the right number. But like, you know, it's it's not dissimilar from saying Marvin Wilson should have been up last week because you need you need bodies. Um, you can't you can't be asking Fletcher Cox to play eighty five percent of the snap. I think they're about one week late on this. Right, um, two weeks ago, you're going in that Thursday game. Things were were moving quickly. You had the trade deadline in there. It would have been hard to do it there. After the Houston game, you had the weekend to collect. You know Jordan Davis's injury. It probably would have been better for them to do it going into that Washington game. Maybe um, waiting for roster spots to open up, but I don't know. That feels like yeah. a little too cute, right? Yeah. Now, I mean, I, I I don't think this is prompted by. I don't think this is prompted by Marlon T. But but I think that's. I mean, that's significant. Yeah. But you have a rotational player who's out at least four weeks, and it's a knee injury. It could be, you know, potentially longer, right? So it makes sense to me. Uh, again, I don't know what Sue has left, but I understand why they are doing this. You still have Alex Henry's numbers, Zach. Do I still have it? Like I look through my phone. I remember there being a, there was a little like a buddy comedy thing going on with Alex Henry and Dominic and Sue during our time at Nebraska. Yeah, so, so, so now they have three Cornhuskers on the roster. Mm. Jack Stoll and Jurgens. Oh, yeah, mm -hmm. that's exciting. I'm sure they know each other very well. Never know. Um, I also think that this is like, if you want to get into a, if we want to get back into the Jonathan Gannon discussion, um, like he needs players which is not, you know, most de defensive coordinators need players, right? But uh, he's not hes not necessarily like make the most out of what you have kind of guy. It's if I've got all the spots, then we can then we can make something happen. Responding You're responding to, to the slacks that we're getting because we got to we got to analyze this breaking news. Well, tell you know what? Yeah. Tell them to tune into Birds with Friends. Well, right that's now. what I, uh, Send I, in the just, I just told our editors and then we will have the Let's, see. Let's get the influx of uh, New yes. York Times. <laughs> yes, watching the show. Yep. Um, but yeah, I I think this is. Uh, I agree with what you said regarding Gannon, and 
they're 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 giving him the horses, right? Mm. They're giving him the horses. So let's let's uh let's see what he does with it. Well, after a uh lengthy preamble, this is a very newsy week here at the Novacare complex. Let's send it next door to oh, the Stone Cold newsman okay. himself, Zach Berman. <laughs> Big week at the Novacare Complex, where the Philadelphia Eagles rebounded from their first loss of the season to find out, or woke up, I should say, from the first loss of the season to find out that Dallas Goddard is going to miss extended time. Eagles, The Eagles tight end on his way to a Pro Bowl season uh, was placed on injured reserve yesterday, has a shoulder injury, will miss at least four weeks. The Eagles activated Tyree Jackson from the – uh, pup list. He had been practicing the last 21 days. So now he is on the 53-man roster. Joins Jack Stoll and Grant Calcaterra as your top two, as as your only tight ends. Uh, additionally, Marlon Tuipilotu was placed on injured reserve, like we mentioned. He has a knee injury. Uh, the Eagles added veteran Linval Joseph, 34 years old in his 13th NFL season. Um and he has experience with Jonathan Gannon in Minnesota. They overlap there. And he comes in and helps the Eagles at nose tackle. Uh, there were other practice squad moves and minor moves that we don't necessarily need to get deep into. Not to those guys. <laughs> Tell Mac really, McCain it was a minor move. <laughs> fair enough. The Eagles signed Alden Tate. They started the practice window on Janarius Robinson. They've done things of that nature. Uh, they, uh, But... Uh, in addition to that, like we just found out, the Eagles are in the process of signing in Dominican Sue. It has not yet been made official by the team, but by it, the obviously the reports are out there, and the Eagles have the open roster spot. Back to you in the studio. Thank you, Zach. Um, let's talk. Let's talk Goddard. Um, he wrote a story uh, on the Athletic, which everybody can read. Good story. Talk to the uh, key players here about how the Eagles move forward. Uh, obviously, they've got Jack Stoll, who has uh, the deepest voice on the team, I think, and is primarily a blocker. You've got Grant Calcaterra, the sixth-round pick, who is more of a receiver. You've got Tyree Jackson coming off the PUP list, who is also more of a receiver. Um, I think you and I both, our initial thought was that, um, especially in the, the medium term, a post-Dallas Goddard, offense is probably going to mean more Zach Pascal because of the uh, of the guys who are there to play more snaps. He's the one who gives you a little bit more of uh, unpredictability to the opposing defense because he can block for a receiver. Um, but the more I've been thinking about this and like knowing what, what this offense, uh, what they try to do, I'm not, I'm not, so sure that we're actually going to see them instead play more 12 personnel um, and and come away from 11 personnel. And that way you have one guy who can block, one guy who can go out in the route. And even if it is like a little bit predictable that Jack Stoll might be the blocker, there's a little bit more you're, you're covering for what Dallas Goddard could do. And you trust that having A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith on the outside, those guys can win enough that maybe you don't need that third receiver. What do you think? Uh, yes, I, I hear what you're saying there. And I think that 
there's a variety of ways they could address this. Uh, now, Jack Stoll, yeah, I, I don't think it's as simply as Jack Stoll moves up the depth chart, right? I do think he's going to be more involved in the passing game. He's played 40% of the offensive snaps this year, but he's only he, he's been used, like you said, more in the blocking role. And I think if he's in the passing game, it's more in the short and the intermediate route. Um, and asking around the locker room, the name I kept hearing yesterday was Grant Calcaterra. I thought I might hear more Tyree Jackson, but I heard more Grant. I heard of course you did. Grant Calcaterra. Uh, I think Grant Calcaterra is someone who could be used in more of the those tight end screens, trying to get him in the space um, that that role Goddard played. Now that said, and and this is the point you just made, the Eagles played with Goddard in the slot this year for, I believe, 108 offensive snaps, okay, or 108 routes run. Um, but 108 was was the number there. 108 uh, something. Yeah. And so I don't think all of a sudden they say, all right, Grant or Jack or Tyree, you're filling that role. I think that's going to Zach Pascal, someone who can, who who we know he can block, okay, for a receiver. He's a good blocker. And when you're blocking in the slot spot, if you know if someone is if it is a running play, then uh, you think he can fill those duties, and then he he's also he's he's a better pass catcher than your options at tight end. So I I can see an uptick there, but then the other thing I keep I I wrote this today and I feel strongly about this. Um, Nick Sirianni he always talks about players, right? It's it's about the players and. He, he's the brother of a high school coach and the son of a high school coach, and you coach your town, right? So I think a lot of what they did offensively was because they had Dallas Goddard in the offense. When Dallas Goddard's not in the offense, I think this, this goes back to highlighting the players that you have and playing with the players that you have. And that means that A.J. Brown gets more looks and Devontae Smith gets more looks, Okay. Uh, I, I think that is, is the way they do this, as opposed to looking in their tight end room and saying, how can we overcome the, or how can we compensate for the absence of Dallas Goddard? I also think it's more, it's um, much more game plan dependent now, as opposed to what do we do well? It's, you know, what, what do they struggle with a little bit? Um, you know, if you want to get them into, um, you know, nickel personnel and then run on them, then you, yeah, and you've got Zach Pascal on the field more. If you think that um, it's better to get them in, you know, in their base looks, get that 12 personnel on the field and then throw from that, uh, they can do that too. I also think that this maybe means a little bit more of the planned quarterback run game in the offense because it's, you know, it's, it's the old, um, you know, what Sirianni said about Micah Parsons. If you can't block him, read him. If you can't count on your tight end in 11 personnel to handle blocking the defensive end who's lined up opposite him, then maybe you are relying on reading him instead, and we see a little bit more of the um, of the read option stuff and and uh, some of those RPOs with 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 Jalen Hurts potentially running. And he has run less the last four weeks or so. As you asked Shane Steichen today. That's right. Um, all right, Zach. Any other thoughts on um, the game? What we're going to see moving forward? The game previous. Sorry. Um, well, or the injuries or the injury situations that that are hampering the team. Yeah, so uh, and this ties into our initial discussion and ties into into the news. I think part of the problem with the run defense is personnel driven, okay? And so much of it is predicated upon having a nose tackle like Jordan Davis. And 
no disrespect to Marvin Wilson or Marlon T, but there's there's been a drop off at that spot. I, I actually thought tell- Marlon was okay in the, in that last game. I thought he was okay. fine. I can't tell you if Linval Joseph is the Linval Joseph who was a two time Pro Bowler, but what I can tell you is that he's a big dude who can who has experience. First time in a while we've been able to say that he's a bit strong. Oh man. He's someone who I who I covered a decade ago when he was a second round pick out of East Carolina with the New York Giants, and uh, classy guy. My first year in the NFL was his first year in the NFL. My first year covering the NFL, not in the NFL. Uh, so you know what you're getting in him. I thought you asked a good question today to Jason Kelsey, which 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 was a, essentially this is a player who's caused him problems in the past. Um, if you look at that Chargers game that the Eagles played last year. Joseph caused the Eagles problems. Okay, you're you're bringing in Joseph to fill this Jordan Davis role, and are the Eagles overreacting to this idea that there's a formula against them? Maybe so, but I think it's more it's it's out of necessity. I think they their run defense is predicated upon having a nose tackle, and without Jordan Davis, they don't have that style of nose tackle on the roster. Even Marlon T is a different style of nose tackle. He's probably more of the Javon Hargrave style of nose tackle. Um, he's not He's not your, your 6'4", 6'5", 335, 340-pound space-eating player, okay? That's- Doesn't that make it curious that they didn't have a similar body type on the roster to back up Jordan Davis or enter the offseason? looking for that player instead of relying on having to trade up for Jordan Davis. Yeah. I mean, not to get too deep into the roster weeds, but it, it makes you think that maybe they thought Noah Ellis could develop into a backup for that spot. Mm-hmm. And then he got hurt before training camp. Good point. I don't know. I, I mean, I don't need to tell you this. It's hard to find people that big, right? Um, it's just, it's, not that it's, hard. it's <laughs> very hard. It's the Bill Parcells theory, right? Go there find some sumo wrestlers. Yeah. If, 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 if it were that easy, everyone would have them. Um, so, I yeah, I, look, this is something they could have addressed going into the season. The thing is, this is not their base defense. This is the, or, or, or I, I shouldn't say that. This is not the defense they're playing the majority of the snaps. Before Jordan Davis was injured, we were talking about how they can get him on the field more. That they were and also they weren't that good of a run defense with Jordan Davis. They were still like 25th in run defense DVOA. So this, this idea that like it's all well, collapsing without him is overstated. Well... I'll push back on that a bit. The conversation we were having before was that teams were running on them when Jordan Davis was off the field. That when you brought in your your you know when you when you didn't have that odd man front, it was inviting for teams to run. Okay, and and so yeah, that that's that's the problem that the Eagles encounter now. Or and, and I don't know if if if, Jay, if Joseph fixes it, but I think Joseph can certainly help because. Even if he's, people say, is he washed? I don't know. Uh, but what I what I do know, I would hope is, so. I mean, I hope he cleans his body. Is that specific role? I certainly don't want to suggest that it's easy. What I can suggest is that it's transferable. Okay, did I use that correctly? It's it's the type of role that you can go from Minnesota to LA to the Eagles, and you can say, all right, occupy this gap, right? 
your responsibility is this gap on this play. And I think that's occupy that bad boy like it's Wall Street, you know? I suppose so. Uh so yeah, so I I I do think that was a a a big move and I don't know if he's going to be ready for this week. Uh we will hopefully talk to him when the locker room opens in an hour, but uh they 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 need him coming up here. Is it Linval Joseph or is it Joseph Linval? It is Linval Joseph. Does anyone ever call him Linval the Anvil? Feels like a good nickname. Anvil is in his in his the letters for Anvil are in Linval. Anvil is like exactly what you're looking for out of him to be the big guy in the middle who can't be moved. You know, Jim the Anvil Neinhardt. I feel like we got a thing going on here. Linval the Anvil. Has that ever happened before? That sounds like a great question uh, for you to ask him. Um, okay. He was uh, sticking he was, on he, the he defensive. Born in the Virgin Islands. So. Mm. Yeah. Did I make a joke there? I don't know what your joke is. So. Okay. Um, I want to ask you about Fletcher Cox, Zach. Um, By the way, real quick, in the comments, I see people saying they signed Sue. We should talk about it. We did talk about it. Um, and we will and we will continue to talk about it. Thanks to Marissa for cluing us in on that one. Um, Fletcher Cox is such an interesting character on this Eagles team, Zach. Um, first of all, why don't you why don't you fill us in on what he said? Go okay, ahead. real quick here. The Eagles have made it official. The Eagles have agreed to terms with defensive tackle and Dominican Sue on a one year contract. You need to interrupt me with that, which we already knew. It is official. I'm giving you. I'm giving you the. You news. doubt that Adam Schefter didn't already get this from Howie Roseman, or the agent? Like I, I don't source speculate. So. But you don't trust Adam Schefter. That's the. Uh, I definitely trust Adam. Um, <laughs> you just so, don't take it as official. No, it's not official. I mean, it's it's official when. Yeah, All right. the team announced it as, as official. What did Fletcher Cox say? Fletcher Cox was asked by reporters yesterday uh, about him playing 70 snaps, which were his most snaps since, uh, I think it was November 1st, 2020, of the 2020 season, the Cowboys game that year, and how he feels from it. And he says he, he, he feels like bleep or beep. What we What's the appropriate... Can I say the word? Where like is there? Yeah, can I say you he can feels say like, the word, Zach. Okay, he he said he feels like. Get, shit. Get, uh, okay. You gotta warn the parents before you say the word. Say so cover the ears. Also, like you know, as an aside, you didn't have to say aside, it. You know, <laughs> as an aside, like we know. One the of word. my favorite quotes of all time is from Chase Utley when he was asked, "What do you tell?" Um, kids, you know, you, you know, a, after his his famous World Series thing, when he said "World Champions, World Effing Champions," and he was asked, "What is the effing He was uh, he was asked what message that sends the kids or something like that, and he said he would tell them that when they when they win the World Series, it's okay to use that word. And I I, I thought that was a good response. Um, <laughs> so I think if we had uh, the like Birds with Friends analytics, um, I think like all time curse words uttered. I think it's Zach like 15 and uh, everybody else like one or zero. Zach's the blue. He's the one who works blue. 
Which the irony to that is, I is in my everyday vernacular, I I seldom, uh, you know, swear, right? But I I do it in quotes. Like I I think quotes should be authentic. I think when you use when you say bleep or beep, or um, you know, I I think it it takes away the authenticity of the quote. Uh, that said, we were discussing Fletcher Cox there. Uh, yeah, that's too many snaps for him. He would tell you that. Um, and I don't yeah, but I think I, he's such an interesting character because, like, you know, he's a captain, but he's never been like Johnny Good Soldier. You know what I mean? Like last year, um, and I like this as a reporter, you know, he's honest, um, but he's not like, you know, he's not like Brandon Graham. And so when you bring him back, you're like, yeah, he's a captain, but it's not like you're getting, um, you know, just in terms of like his standing on the, uh, in the organization, don't you think it's like, it's, it's kind of an interesting dichotomy. Like he's, you know, they, they re-sign him to this expensive deal relative to his level of play. Um, you know, he's been okay. I thought he was actually not bad in this game, but like, he's not, uh, like I'm saying, he's not, he's not Brandon Graham. He's not out here, like, you know, um, being a good soldier in front of the, in front of the media. He's sort of like willing to like publicly question the staff. Isn't like a weird guy to bring back as your like veteran leader. Was that him questioning the staff, you think? Well, I think he's done it before. I think he can read between the lines there. He didn't want to be playing that much. Yeah, he certainly did it after the Vegas game last year, as you correctly predicted before the season. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just think it's like an, it's like an interesting, you know, it's not the same as like a, a like a you know like a Brent Selleck. How dare we give away eighty-seven because this guy like, uh, you know, puts his blood, sweat, and tears into the organization? It's not quite the same deal. Well. I would push back on that. I think Fletcher Cox has put his blood, sweat, and tears into this organization. Yeah, I think you know what I mean, though, right? I think, I mean, I mean, there's a difference between what you say publicly and like he's this guy has played through injury. This guy, he's like, I have a lot of respect for Fletcher Cox. So, so do I. uh, Now that said, yeah, he's he's never been one who I I think is like the spokesman of the team. Uh, Nor do I think he 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 wants to be that. Right. But the flip side is I think he he feels like he's entitled to a certain amount of respect as well. So there is kind of that that push pull there. Um, I, I only have half baked thoughts on on on, on this topic. And, and one thing that I've learned uh, probably the hard way on this show, if I'm doing a self if I'm doing a self evaluation, is that it, it's not good to come to you with half baked topics because because you will walk all over half half-baked topics. I, I need to be armed and ready for, um, you know, for that kind of conversation. I, I don't have a strong enough opinion on this to really give you nuanced discussion other than I, I, I do think that when you sign Fletcher Cox, you sign up for the full Fletcher Cox experience. Okay. Anything else you want to talk about before we take a break and get the swooper? We're going we're gonna to talk a little bit more about the actual Colts matchup at the end of the show when we have Zach Keeper yeah, on. Yeah, one quick thing that actually you can shed light on. I had the opportunity to speak to Jeff Saturday yesterday, and Jeff Saturday spoke a lot about the relationship. <laughs> what? Just funny. Jeff Saturday yesterday. Oh, like, okay. It's like it's, it's his full name. 
And Jeff Saturday spoke a lot about the relationship. Yesterday was Wednesday. Yes. With uh, how many times do you think that joke has been used in, in Indianapolis already? Well, many. Yeah. Uh, the relationship he has with Jason Kelsey. You spoke about Jason Kelsey driving to his home um, after his rookie season. Howard Mudd put them in touch and them going over a lot of things. And Kelsey spoke about this this topic today. Uh, I think this is something you can shed some interesting light on because when we were out reporting the the Jason Kelsey story, you got a lot on on the Mud Kelsey background. Yeah, and I and I tweeted that out today. There's the the story from Kyle Devan, um, who was brought in, you know, signed up waivers right before week one. He had he had played under Howard Mud alongside Jeff Saturday, and like the the first day he got to the building. Howard Mudd says, pulls Devan aside and says, I got the next Jeff Saturday. And Kyle Devan is like, you can't just like, just because the guy's a, like a small athletic center, you can't just be throwing around the name Jeff Saturday. That's Jeff Saturday. Like, you know, he, he, he doesn't grow on trees. He's a, he's a unique player. And then like a couple games in, it sort of clicks. He's like, there's, a, there's one game in particular where he sees Kelsey running around. And he's like, holy S. That's it. That's him. So, yeah. Uh, and Kelsey, Kelsey spoke about that today. He said they actually had a really nice meeting after his first season, after his rookie year. And I think reading between the lines, he was like, he, did, he said he didn't want to give too much away, but there was like a way that Jeff Saturday was able to reframe some things that Howard Mudd was teaching because it's from the player's perspective. I think there might have also been something in there about like dealing with Howard Mudd and like, you know, the way that he, the way that he coaches, how you, how you sort of handle that. So. So you just pulled a me there, by the way. Where you, where you? I look very handsome. Like, or? <laughs> no, you repeated what I said previously when I talked about that that meeting at, after the rookie year. Okay, well, you asked me to you asked me to give yeah. the whole scope. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. So uh, and. But you didn't have I, the same. Uh, you didn't have the same. Uh, speculation. True. Speculation. Yeah. About dealing with mud, the. Uh, the last thing that I would say too is that, um, as Jeff Saturday is obviously in the, in the news, and I bring up that comparison I made to a friend last week, where how would Philadelphia feel if Jason Kelsey got hired to be the head coach in like four years, with Kelsey having been coaching? Because it's it's a very similar situation in Indianapolis. We can talk about the. Uh, and we did talk about the other, the big picture implications of what it means for the league and what it means for equal opportunity and, and, we, and what it means for coaches coming up through the ranks. But from like, if you're looking for a Philadelphia comparison, it would be Jason Kelsey being hired to be the Eagles coach. Mm. All right. Let's take a little break, Zach. Come back. We got Swooper and Crystal Bald Eagle. Uh, this is a, a bit of an extended break, so uh, settle in. Maybe an opportunity to uh, take a bathroom break if you're, if you got to go. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24/7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, we're back on Burns with Friends, Bo, Zach, and Marissa, and we have more breaking news. Zach, the Eagles have agreed to terms with Pat Williams, the former Vikings defensive tackle. Yeah. They're just bringing back everybody from the 2010. Okay, that was a joke. Okay. All right, you got me worried for a second. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Kyle Williams as well. Can you believe it? I I like to try to respond to all texts in a prompt manner. Vince Wilfork. The Eagles are bringing in Vince Wilfork. And so uh, I was getting a bunch of texts during our show, and I didn't. Big flex? It's not flex. I imagine you were too. Yeah, but not about, you know, not about Vince Wilford. No, Dominic and Sue. No one texted me about Vince Wilford. Yeah, no one texted me about Dominic and Sue either. I doubt that. Who do you think is texting me about Dominic and Sue? I, I, I don't want to speculate here on who you're in conversation with. But, yeah, people from elsewhere in the league, people from elsewhere in this media house, yeah, there's, there's, nope, there's no one cares about me. <laughs> All right. Uh, we don't need to go down that rabbit hole. All right, Zach. Uh, Swooper, um, I'm up seven to one to one. You guys are in the tough spot. Um, Dennis has suggested that potentially we make the playoffs worth extra points, maybe the divisional round worth two, we'll go to three for the championship and four for the Super Bowl if we get that far. Nice to throw you guys a bone just to keep things interesting, I suppose. If you win, you win. That that's look. It's it's. You don't know uh, what Zach and I have up, up our sleeve for yeah. the next few weeks. You know. Are they going to collude? You never know. Okay. All right, uh, Zach. Look, as, as Bill Parcells says, "You are what your record says you are." And yeah, I'm I so tired of people saying that in the um, in the comments on the power rankings. It's like, you just check the standings if that's what you want to see. <laughs> Get out of here. Bo's reaction to, to, to commenters is a lot different than my reaction to commenters. Well, I think the commenters on the power rankings are a lot different than the commenters on your articles. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. I appreciate all the commenters. The Vikings beat the Dolphins four weeks ago. How could they be below them? I don't know. The Dolphins didn't have their quarterback in that game. Like, it doesn't you're, count the same. Your Vikings fan voice is your Kirk Cousins voice. So perhaps it's why that cousins leave me a comment. Yeah. The Jets beat the Dolphins yeah, with Skylar Thompson. Who cares? You're very down on the Dolphins. No, I'm high on the Dolphins. Okay. So they were having the number three on the power rankings. They have a great offense. So offense are, matters. Yeah. Are have have you turned your have you changed your opinion on on Mike McDaniel? I'm Mike McDaniels. What was my opinion? I, we both talked about we were very impressed with them when we went down there in the summer. I thought in our over-unders, uh, you, were, you were sour on them. Am I remembering this incorrectly? Uh, it's possible that I was making fun of him as a person, but I don't think I was necessarily down on them as a team. Okay. All right. We'll have to check back the tape on that one. Okay, I'm sure you're. I'm sure you're going to run to re-listen to that as soon as you can. 
<laughs> uh, I mean, we could just pull up the actual draft results and see if I if I took that. But uh, Zach, you have the most turkeys as always. You have forty turkeys with which to bid. Marissa and I both have twenty-seven. Uh, I think it's your turn to go first, Zach. Okay, my turn to go first here. Um, so my first one is going to be uh, Zach Pascal has more receiving yards than any Eagles tight end. Mm, but not all of them combined, but any specific. Not all of them one. combined, but any Eagles tight end. Oh, I'm sorry. Before we get to this, before we get to the bidding here, we have we have some uh, big picture swooper discussion to talk about because Denise has called you to account for uh, you know proposing things that are unlikely to happen, uh, which continued last week. And so we had uh, we had the official lawyers of Birds with Friends, Sam and Noah Becker, uh, mock this bad boy up. The super sarcastic game mission statement. Now I don't. We can talk about this because I don't fully agree with everything here, but they, this is what they have come up with. The mission of super sarcastic here and after the game is to entertain the Birds with Friends audience here and after the quote unquote sickos by presenting a unique preview of that week's Eagles matchup through a fun competitive game a player should only propose scenarios here and after quote-unquote propositions on which the player would be willing to spend two turkeys given reasonable resources and which the player believes have between a 25 percent and 75 percent probability of occurring where the proposition is a demonstration of game theory the probability parameters may be eliminated how does this track with the way that you guys feel about the game I'll be honest. I've been doing it for three years. I still don't understand the game. So I appreciate. Uh, I I appreciate the mission statement. I like. I like the baseline of you should. You should only suggest something that you think is worth about two turkeys at least. Um, I, I don't mean, know if that means twenty five percent to me, because there are like you know like the like hitting a specific number feels like it's probably less than twenty five percent. But if it's two turkeys because it's kind of fun to root for, I think that counts too. I'm playing the game because all of my submissions hit me in the chat. So mm. I don't know. You guys are the ones that need to step it up. So, well, I have no stepping up to do at all. I'm dominating the game. I have a lot of stepping up to do. In, but thank in you to the better and in life. So need a lot. I, I need to improve and eager to do. Okay. So. All right. I will bid two turkeys on Zach Pascal having more receiving yards than any Eagles tight end. Three. Four. Three. Five. Five going once. Five going twice. Sold to Zach Berman. All right. Uh, I think you, Marissa? I don't know. I make this up every week. <laughs> okay. Linball has a half sack or more or a tackle for loss. One. Two. Two going once. Two going, Two going twice. twice. Sold. You got it. Oh, cheap. Windball TFL. That's a good one. Or a half sack or more. Or a half sack. Um, the very first target of the game for the Eagles is a tight end. 
They go out of their way to say, we're going to be fine without Dallas Goddard. Check out this six-yard curl from One. Jack Stoll. Two. Two going once. Two going twice. Three. Oh, 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 yes, not good. Four. I'm out on this one. Four going once, four going twice. Sold to me. Right. Lots of cheap ones going quick. Okay. Dane is. This is a no red. Jeff Saturday elects not to go for it on fourth down on at least two instances on which the Ben Baldwin fourth down bot suggests to go for it. One. Two. What was, what was the, how many he elects to not two. go for when he yeah, should? On, on two of the. Two at least nine. two. Okay. Okay. Three. Um, Five. Six. Mm. Seven. Seven going once. Seven going twice. Sold. All right, Zach, you're up. Okay. So for anyone who's making, oh, sorry, my blue light. Uh, for anyone who's making the trip to Indianapolis, I hope you pack a winter coat or a winter jacket or perhaps long underwear mm -hmm. because it is going to be cold in Indianapolis. The uh, swooper that I am proposing <clears throat> here is the Indianapolis Colts score more points than the low temperature in Indianapolis that day. And the mm -hmm. low temperature as defined by let's say the weather app on Bo's iPhone uh, when he checks at kickoff, whatever the low is specified on that day. At uh, kickoff? Now, yes. I, I mean, just to give us like a <clears throat> uniform time because that low may be, maybe the, the meteorology changes throughout the day. And so if you check <clears throat> first thing in the morning, it could be okay. different. So let's say when you <clears throat> check your phone at one o'clock and you see the high and the low for that day, whatever the low reads, is the official okay. number we're using for this metric. And um, to give you guys perspective, right now, as I look at it, Sunday's low appears to be 16 degrees. One. Two. Three. Four. Uh, I'm sorry, four. Five. Six. Seven. I'll let you have it at seven. This is a good one for you. Seven going once, seven going twice. You don't need to mansplain it to her. Sold. <laughs> That was the mansplainer. <laughs> I like that one, Zach. <laughs> Colts points over low temp. Okay. Marissa, you're up. Okay. 
Matt Ryan throws for more touchdowns than the number of defensive linemen signed by the Eagles this week. So to the active roster? Mm. Did not specify. And a push doesn't count. He has to exceed it. So he's got to throw so at least three touchdowns. He has to throw yeah. at least three touchdowns. Does it say throw or or uh, would a rushing touchdown count? It says throw. Mm, okay. Got to be at least three passing touchdowns for Matt Ryan. I'll say one. Two. I'll say three. Four. It's a big revenge game against Zach. Four going once. Four going twice. Sold. All right. That's a good one for you, Marissa. <laughs> Thank you. You don't need to mansplain her. <laughs> That's right. Uh, okay. All right. Grant Calcaterra. Oh, no, sorry. Good. Grant Calcaterra leads the Eagles tight ends in targets. Three. Wow. Three. I'll say four. Five. I'm out on this one. I'll say six. Six going once. Six going twice. Seven going once. I have a 33% chance of hitting you. Seven going twice. We're, we're really 50 oh. 50 because I don't think it's a tie rate. So, okay. Sold to Zach for seven? Yes. All right. Before we get to Dennis here, uh, just quickly, Zach has 28 tur uh, turkeys left. I have 16. Marissa has 14. Okay. At least as many of Zach's <clears throat> submitted items hit this week as items submitted by Bo or Marissa. In other words, Zach is at least tied for the lead in submitted items hit. Mm. That was a little confusing. At That's least a good one. Now Zach, can, now Zach can, can use that and make his third yeah. submission. Okay. I already wrote down my submissions and I'm, I'm okay. nothing if not honest. So. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're lots of things. Yeah, but I like to think that Handsome? I'm honest. That, yeah. <laughs> I appreciate that. One. Two. So Zach's already had the, the temperature one and the Pascal. And the Pascal. Okay. I'll say three. Four. Four. Marissa, Five. got that? Five. Five going once. Five going twice. Sold to Zach. Okay. Okay. You're up, Zach. Let's see. Let's see how uh, okay, likely so this last one is. Nick Sirianni. And this, by the way, is a nod to make sure you guys listen to the interview we have with Zach, with Zach Kiefer coming up um, after, after, after this. We pre-recorded it which you will know because of the backdrop. So I'm not giving anything away there. Probably the um, audio quality as well. Nick Sirianni in his post-game press conference has some type of acknowledgement of Frank Reich, whether it is something he says, something he wears, or something he does. 
one. Mm. Does he have to be asked about it, or, or, or I mean, does he does he have to uh, propose it himself, or can it be a question, a response no, to just, a question? It's just however it comes up. It could be mm. him walking off, and 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 saying something. It could. Be does it have to be caught on camera, or could it be something it could, he says? No, but here's off. here's here's the rule. Okay, <clears throat> I will say this: it cannot be a direct question from Bo or me. Okay, okay. so. This can't to, be if, to if, make if sure get that out of the way. Or if I win this, it can't be like, uh, <laughs> you know, what did it mean to beat the team that fired Frank Reich? That that would be disingenuous. So it can't be that. Okay. okay. I said one. Three. Four. Five. Six. Seven. Eight. Nine. I'm out. The challenge here is they have to win. I don't think he would do something if they lost, right? So <laughs> definitely not. Yeah, so they have to win. Nine, nine going, going once. once. Nine going twice. Sold. All right, one. Zach. I I think that Frank wouldn't want him to do that. And that's why he won't do it. But we'll see. Uh, I'm trying to think. I mean, you know, could he wear a Frank Reich? I, I don't think he'd wear a Bills jersey. Okay. Yeah. What about a Maryland, Maryland jersey? A Maryland, okay, a Maryland that, Reich jersey. Yeah. That could be interesting. Or he, I could <clears> see <throat> him walking off and saying something like, uh, you know, I'm making some type of acknowledgement to mm. Frank Reich. Or it mm. could be. Not in a spiteful way. It could be a heartfelt way. Like, it was so meaningful to come back here where I coached, you know, under Frank Reich or something like that. Okay. I thought it was supposed to be tilted towards the revenge, but that's fair. And that's, he could do that. It's, it's, yeah, it's you said it. You said it. But he, it, it, it can't be acknowledging – it can't just be acknowledging Indianapolis. It has to be Frank yes, it's, it's, Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, okay. All right, Marissa, you're up. Three left. Okay. You, you've both got 14 turkeys. I have 16. Okay. Jonathan Taylor – Doubles Miles Sanders rushing yards. Ooh. One. I'll say two. Three. Three going, Three going once. once. Three going twice. Three going twice. Uh, four. So. Oh, wow. Wow. Good late. Five. They got it in. All yours. Okay. Five going once. Five going twice. Sold. Jonathan Taylor doubles up Miles Sanders. All right. Um, Sunday is also the start of the World Cup. Mm. And the USA plays on Monday against Wales. The USA in their game against Wales on Monday scores more goals than Tyree Jackson has catches in the game on Sunday. Hmm. Okay. Has to be more, not equal. What'd you say, Zach? I said two. Three. I'll say four, just to root for it. Four going once, 
before going twice. Sold. Uh, big Tyree Jackson believers. Who's your non-US pick? To win or like fun to watch? Oh, like the follow. Yeah, like who's the non-US team? Oh, I'm excited to watch Ecuador. Got three Brighton okay. players on a team. Okay. And they play in the first game on Sunday against Qatar. Okay. Uh, all right. Lot, low low scoring, uh, low low bids this week. We've all got a lot of turkeys left heading into the last. Yeah, I I should have been higher on on that. I was I was worried about like a nil nil draw. Um, but did you throw out a nil? <laughs> but uh, yeah, that that that's when I should have been more aggressive on. That's that's that that's one that will stick with me tonight when I do my post game. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Final one from Diniz. There's some red on here. The Eagles have zero turnovers. The Eagles are still fourth best in avoiding turnovers per drive, and the Colts' defense is ranked 30th at forcing them. This is a regular auction, but unlimited borrowing from next week's turkeys is allowed for all bidders. Mm, But we've all got so many turkeys that may not come into play. No turnovers for the Eagles. Four. Five. Six. How many I got left? Nine. Okay. Seven. <laughs> nine. How many I got left? You can have a nine. All right. Oh, Bo, going once. Going twice. Sold? You got it. Okay. I mean, I hope they're reading those signs around the building, Zach. After this week, <clears throat> didn't last work week. last week. I know, but you know, All right, there's so gonna be Marissa, an emphasis you, on holding the football. You cleaned up this week. You've got no turnovers. Jonathan Taylor doubles up Miles Sanders. Matt Ryan throws at least three touchdown passes. The Colts score more points than the low temperature at kickoff. Linval Joseph has a tackle for loss or a half sack. Zach, you have you went you followed up your Zach. You went Zach on Zach. Even though you know he may have let you down a couple times in the past, Zach Pascal has more receiving yards than Eagles than the than any Eagles tight end. Um, Grant Calcaterra leads the Eagles tight ends in targets. Nick Sirianni has a, some kind of Frank re- reference in the postgame podcast, and a Zach proposal is at least Zach's hits from his proposals are tied for the lead this week among the four of us. Tied or at least ties, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. at least ties. Yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. Uh, and then I have the first target of the game is to a tight end. Exciting to watch the very first play. That'll be good. Although it doesn't have to be the first play, just the first pass. Uh, uh Oh yeah, the first target of the game. Okay, that's how it was yeah. written, or it was the that's how first it was written. Play? Yeah. No, okay. the first target of the game is to a tight end. Zach. Uh, the USA scores more thing. goals than Tyree Jackson has catches. And Jeff Saturday uh, turtles on at least two recommended go for it fourth downs. There you go. All right. It's time for the crystal ball diggle, Zach. Uh, we'll get this out of the way before we get to uh, Zach Keeper, uh, who's going to have much more insight on the Colts, uh, the situation over there. We get into a little Chris Ballard, Nick Sirianni discussion, in addition to previewing the game, but stuff, please stick around for that. But before we do that, um, we've got to get to the locker room, Zach. So let's get to the crystal ball diggle. Yeah, so the Eagles six and a half point favorites here. The over-under is 45. I think that's a bigger number than I expected. Um, I like the Eagles bouncing back here. I think this is a tough spot. I think Indianapolis is 
a better team than maybe perception indicates. I, if Sam Ellinger was the quarterback, I might think differently of, of them. But I think Matt Ryan is a professional quarterback who gives them a chance to win games every week. Uh, and then they can run the ball, and I think they have some players <clears> on defense. But I think the Eagles are better than you saw. I don't think they're 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 going to be turning the ball over three, four times in a game. And uh, I, I just think they're going to respond. I think they win and they cover. I'm going Eagles 24 and Colts 16. Mm. Yeah, I'm surprised that this line is so low, six and a half. Um, so it started off as 10, I believe. And then after the Monday night game and after Matt Ryan gets in to start, it goes down to six and a half. Yeah, I think it was uh, it was it was a seven and a half by the time the game ended on Monday night because I think it had adjusted that Matt Ryan was the quarterback as as you suggested. Um, but yeah, I I I I expect a bounce back uh, from the Eagles here. Um, I think they're going to have some kind of maybe not solution in the running game, but I find it hard to believe they're going to be willing to to get fully run on three weeks in a row. Um, I think they're going to have some, some things up their sleeve on offense. The one thing that, that does worry me is the state of A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, who were both limited in the walkthrough yesterday. Um, we know that they both got a little bit nicked up in the game. A.J. Brown certainly did not look like himself. Even if you read between the uh, transactional news lines, the Eagles like releasing out in Tate from the practice squad and then re-signing him a day later and getting rid of Mac McCain, Tells me that they needed healthy legs at receiver just to practice, um, and so that's the thing that's that's on my radar. That with no Dallas Goddard, if AJ Brown is not himself, then all of a sudden maybe this is a, a 2021 pound the rock type game for the Eagles against a, a Colts defense that I think can be run on. Um, so that's that's something that that I'm thinking about. But I do think that the, the Eagles are going to bounce back with a win here. Um, find a way. Maybe it'll, maybe it will be tighter, and they won't cover, but but they'll still get the win. But I am gonna I am gonna predict the cover. Give me Eagles twenty eight, Colts twenty. A couple of red zone stops for the Eagles this week. All right, uh, that'll do it for uh, this live portion of Birds with Friends. We'll go to break and return with Zach Kiefer talking uh, tumultuous times in Indianapolis. Matt Ryan's history against Zach Berman, and much, much more. All right. Welcome back to Birds with Friends. Bo, Zach, and joined now, very pleased to be joined by another Zach, Zach Kiefer, who covers the Colts for the Athletics. Zach, how are you? What an honor. I'm great. I, I feel honored to join the um, world-renowned podcast, Birds with Friends. I think That's this right. is maybe the second time, but this is it's always a thrill. And I think we may have asked you this before, but what? How do you feel a bit of a rivalry with Zachs who spell it differently, or do you feel a kinship with other Zachs? I do. I take a lot of heat for the way I spell my name. It's almost like people forget that my parents picked it. But um, <laughs> no, I do. I get a lot. I've got a buddy in Indy who spells it like Zach Berman, and um, the correct way. A li- little bit of a little bit of a rivalry, yeah. Wow, Zach is in on uh, Berman is in on this rivalry. He, he's he's throwing shots. It's just um, like you and and, and Bo Allen. Right with the boat with this song. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah, objectively incorrect. Um, so <laughs> I think we can all agree about that. Uh, Zach, you are uh, you are where we have been. You are post Carson Wentz, post uh, head coach fired. Um, but yes. it has been a little bit more tumultuous. Um, I would say. Um, give us, I guess, like the 
the sense of what's going on in Indianapolis. You've got a, an owner who's somewhere between uh, meddlesome and a madman um, making all kinds of you know crazy decisions. Frank Reich's not allowed to uh, play Matt Ryan, but then Jeff Saturday can start him at, at quarterback. What's going on? What's the scene? Like, how crazy is this? Yeah, you guys thought it was tumultuous in, in Philly the last couple of years. I'll see your I'll see your tumultuous and I'll raise you. Um, it's the third straight decision that Jim Irsay has made going back to the Carson Wentz trade last year that he has made unilaterally, that he has made at the top, not his GM, not his coach. And if you go back to last January and February and and you guys kind of went through this in Philly, um, Carson was out no matter what. I remember telling people this at the combine, like they've already made their decision and people just not believing me because of the situation they had traded the one and the three to Philly. But Jim Mercer said back then, like he's going to leave no matter what. And then secondly, um, he was behind the benching of Matt Ryan a couple of weeks ago. That was his decision. He kind of forced that on Frank Reich. And that's a tough spot to be if you're a head coach who's trying to win games with a quarterback who's not as good objectively as Matt Ryan. Now, Matt Ryan had his struggles, but, you know, that just made it on Frank and then the third decision this is the stunner that really took all of us by surprise including a lot of people in the building the players the coaches the executives they hired Jeff Saturday off an ESPN television set to be the head coach and he won his first game against a really bad Raiders team so <laughs> it's been wild it's 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 almost like the greatest soap opera in sports right now and honestly, Nick Sirianni is coming to town this week, and we got to catch up with him yesterday, and it feels like the eighth or ninth biggest storyline going into this one. You brought up Nick Sirianni. I am curious, after the fact here, right, when, when Nick was hired, he was, he was relatively unknown, at least in Philadelphia, and was kind of viewed as he was Frank Reich's caddy, right? He, he, had, he did not call plays. He was not on these lists for your prototypical, or I shouldn't say prototypical, for your kind of hot up-and-coming coordinators. Uh, and the Eagles were the only team that interviewed him that year. With the benefit of, A, hindsight, and B, time, seeing how this has developed, how valuable was Nick <laughs> to the operation in Indianapolis, and how much did they miss him when he was gone? Yeah, that's become more and more clear the last year or so. Um, Nick had a huge role in that offense, and everyone thinks he didn't call the plays, he didn't do much. There were so many instances where Frank would say, well, that touchdown was because Nick put that in the game plan. So Nick and Frank put together the game plans. And frankly, to be perfectly honest, Marcus Brady, who replaced Nick Sirianni in Indy as the OC, the, the offense wasn't as good. And I realized, you know, everybody in Indy has lived through these five quarterbacks in five years, and the quarterbacks are very different. They went from Jacoby Brissett, to Philip Rivers in Nick's last two years, to Carson Wentz last year, to Matt Ryan. So very different skill sets. But I think we're starting to understand in Indy how good Nick was, how good he was at game plans, how much he related to the players. Ask Zach Pascal, he's in Philly. Um, and I talked to a lot of guys this week about how much of an imprint Sirianni had on their careers. And, and frankly, the offense has not been the same since Nick left. And part of that is, you know, Carson Wentz and his struggles late last season. And part of that is the offensive line regressing, but also a big part of it is the Colts had a really, really good OC for those three years. And I don't think we really appreciated it as much as we should have at that time. From, from the outside looking in, um, I have sort of a big picture question, Zach, and why is it that, and you know, maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, maybe this will change in the off season, 
But why is it that that Chris Ballard is viewed as safe and and Frank Reich is the fall guy when if you look at you know the roster construction, I think you could I think you could pick that apart maybe even more so than than the coaching. Yeah, that's a totally legit question. Both of their hands are dirty in this, right? Frank pushed for Carson Wentz. We all know that. Sure. That didn't work out. I don't think Drew Mercer ever. I think he lost faith in his head coach after the Wentz move busted. Mm -hmm. And Chris Ballard's hands are dirty as well. He tried to play Matt Pryor at left tackle, and we all saw every <laughs> single day in camp that it wasn't going to work out. Sorry, we bro, saw that too. Yes. It wasn't going to work out, man. He he was benched at three different positions. I can't. Season. I still can't believe they entered the season with was a left tackle. Yeah, even Matt. Mind. Like, and Matt is such a nice guy. And we asked him in the yes. spring, like, do you think you can hold it down at left tackle? And he's like, man, I, I honestly, I thought I was the last person that'd be sitting here telling you on the left tackle. <laughs> it's like, isn't that a huge red flag? Um, so everything, every single thing that has gone wrong this season, the root of it goes back to the offensive line. And, and for me, that's more on Ballard and just the decisions. They went with this kid, Danny Pinter at right guard, who's just not an NFL right guard. And so Matt Ryan started to throw interceptions and started to fumble the ball and everything kind of fell apart. JT couldn't get going. Um, but I think another part of it to answer your question, Bo, is you fire Frank Reich, and I, you know, I'm I'm guessing here you owe him 20, 25, 30 million because you had him signed through 2026. Mm -hmm. And I know we all think owners are are just loaded and the money never stops. But you know, if, if they fire Chris Ballard, then they're embarking on a very, very ambitious rebuild. They're almost starting from scratch, and they haven't done that really since 2012 around here because they don't have a quarterback answer as well. So that's what we think they're gonna do in the first round. So you know, Ballard's missed. He's also hit a lot in the draft, and he's put together some good pieces around this team. Well, I think the offensive line moves are indefensible. Um, I don't think Jim Mercy wants to dive into the abyss again and, and then also have to pay two men $40 million to not work for him. Quick Matt Pryor uh, story. When, <laughs> when Andre Dillard got hurt for the Eagles, they, they tried Matt Pryor at left tackle for about a practice or two, and then – Basically, they they forced Jason Peters to they gave Jason Peters more money to move over from from left guard to left tackle. They 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 saw it right away. Um, I am curious. I remember that uh, one practice. Josh Sweat just like killed him. Yes, all day. Yes, it, was, it was at the I link. Did. It was awful. Yep. Yeah. I followed Hutchinson from Detroit this year in the joint practices. It was just like that's a problem. Uh, the the listeners of this podcast have have heard me rave about your luck podcast. I I, I hope everyone listens to that. Um, the Andrew Luck situation keeps coming up because obviously Frank Reich and Chris Ballard and Jim Irsay couldn't plan for a quarterback like him retiring when he did. Uh, but what should they have done differently after the fact? Do you think the, the moves that they made were defensible within themselves? Do you think they should have had a reset? Essentially, why are they in this position where it's quarterback after quarterback after quarterback. Yeah. How much time do you have? This will take two <laughs> or three hours. Um, that's a Luck good part too, Zach, because no one, no one goes back and puts themselves in those positions. You can make a very strong argument that every move they made was defensible at the time. You really can. Ballard is not a panic GM. And, and for a long time, they got a lot of credit without around the league for not panicking, for not tanking, for not falling apart. Right. It was an unprecedented situation. You, you, you lose your 29-year-old franchise quarterback 15 days before a season. A lot of teams. A lot of teams would have won three games the next year, maybe two, maybe five. The Colts were in the hunt the next couple of years. The one move 
in hindsight you wish they would have done if you're a Colts fan is not trading a first round pick to, for DeForest Buckner in 2020, keeping that pick, moving into the top six and trying to get Justin Herbert or Tua. But at that point, the Colts felt like they had a roster that was ready to win. And they really did. I mean, I think if Luck had, had never retired, I think they're competing with the Chiefs for an AFC title at one point. But they they just they just wouldn't panic. And so they signed Rivers. And that worked out. And that's the problem. That worked out really well. They went 11-5, made the playoffs, almost beat the Bills. That emboldened them to put a lot of faith in Frank Reich. And what happened next, this is the move that screwed everything up. They went and got Carson. And Carson wasn't supposed to be a one-year, two-year thing. It was supposed to be a four-year thing. He was supposed to get them out of this quarterback abyss. And it went so terribly bad in the end of the season. They just stopped throwing down the field because they didn't trust him. And they fell apart against Las Vegas. And really fell apart against Jacksonville. And Ursay was literally looking into how to get out of Carson Wentz's contract during the game wow. in week 18 last year. And it was an ultimatum. It was that night he sat down with Ballard and Reich and told him, under no circumstances will this guy be back and be our quarterback next year. And so that really puts them in a bad spot this offseason. And if you remember, and this is important, they didn't move on from Carson Wentz for Matt Ryan. They right. moved on from Carson Wentz without a plan. There was no plan. There was just, maybe we'll look into Mariota. Maybe we'll look into Winston. Maybe we'll just see what happens. And Matt Ryan sort of fell into their laps. And honestly, that's a pretty good plan B. But they were determined to move on from Carson without a real plan. And it's really just hamstrung the rest of the roster because there's been times when free agents didn't want to come here because they didn't know who the quarterback was going to be. And you can totally understand that. So in the time, I kind of liked the idea of if, if Frank Wright can't save Carson Wentz, who can? But um, I don't think Carson's ever going to get back to that level that you guys saw in 2017 when he was the front runner for the MVP through about 13 or 14 weeks. Yeah, it seems like he's lost his job um, in Washington, which is sort of like the, the star-crossed career that he was destined to have, sit on, the, sit on the sideline in the first game back in Philly and watch as his backup. Uh, How is he going to handle that? That's what I wonder. Because that's, that's the thing, like, I mean, I don't know if he's yeah. wired to be a backup. Um, that, that's a good question. I don't know what the staying power is. If we, if we, uh, without relitigating it too much, you know, the Ursay wanting to get away in the middle of the, that week 18 game, how much did the, uh, the vaccination and his frustration with that play into that? Yeah, publicly it, said it wasn't a huge part, but okay. it was. It was. It was absolutely part of the decision. Um, but it, it, it was, you know, this was also a football decision. They yeah. just didn't think it's hard to explain it, but they just didn't feel like he was the guy. He yeah. wasn't he wasn't the right answer at that position. Let's let's spin forward to this weekend uh, a little bit and, and the actual matchup. Um, you know, there's this this idea that maybe um, Washington showed like a, a blueprint of how to beat the Eagles, which which I think is a little bit overstated. Um, everybody already knew they had a, a bad run defense, but. Um, the Colts' running game has not been as good this season as expected, certainly as it was last year. How much of that is the offensive line, and, and how much of that changed last week um, against against the Raiders? I, I enjoyed reading your, um, your your game recap. Like all, you threw in so many subtle jabs about how bad that Raiders team was. Uh, that, that was funny. I, I thought the Colts were a mess, man. And I talked to Tashawn, our Raiders guy, and man, they are a mess. But Raiders are terrible, man. I looked at this, the numbers yesterday, and, and, and in terms of pass defense, Raiders are dead last. In terms of pass defense, Eagles are right up there with like yeah. the top three. And then, you know, depending on the metric you look up, 
Um, look, they played better. They deserve credit. Jeff Saturday came in and he called out the offensive line and they played better. And JT went off and it changes things when you can get a 66-yard rushing touchdown. Um, but here's the interesting part about what you asked, Bo, and about how the, how the commanders really attack the Eagles. And we asked Sirianni about this yesterday. There was a game a couple of years ago when the Colts were limited at quarterback, which Kobe Brissett, they played in Arrowhead and they completely dominated the ball. It was a Sunday night football game. They were depleted on defense and they ran for 230 yards with Marlon Mack and completely kept Mahomes off the field. And Sirianni said, I thought about that exact same game. So he put together that game plan. So he's very familiar with how to attack, how teams are going to try to attack the Eagles probably moving forward. Um, I'm a little hesitant to buy into this Colts revival, and I wrote about it this week. It's one thing to do it against the mess that is the Las Vegas Raiders. It's very different to do it against a team that's really good up front on both sides, like the Eagles. And Sirianni is going to know that. But look, I mean, JT remains one of the best players in football. If you give him a hole, he can find it. He's finally healthy. The ankle is back to normal. So if the Colts have a praying chance, I think you're going to have to hope for some home runs in the run game from Jonathan Taylor. Is it entirely the run game, or what is Matt Ryan at this stage of his career? He's capable. He's capable in, the, you know, Frank Reich sold him on the play-action game. So if you've got JT working, that keeps the defense thinking. And what he's going to try and do is the quick throws, the quick throws over the middle, the quick throws on the outside. They've got a talented young receiver in, in Alec Pierce, and then obviously Pittman's a stud. Um, and Paris Campbell's really come on of late. No one had him being the leading receiver in terms of touchdowns at this point in the season, but here we are. So they can do some things in the past game. They're not as vertical as they want to be, so they're going to have to do everything within 10 to 15 to 25 yards, um, but he can do it. The problem has been with him, and the reason Ursay wanted to bench him was the turnovers. He was just fumbling the ball too much, and he was throwing too many ill-advised interceptions, but he played his best game of the year on Sunday at Las Vegas, and this was always Matt Ryan's team. And when he was benched, the players inside the locker room were pissed because they didn't feel like it was on him. Um, Birds with Friends listeners will know that I have no choice but but to bring this up. Um, if you have a chance to talk to Matt Ryan ahead of uh, Sunday's game, it's important to let him know that this is a, a bit of a revenge game. Uh, he's going up against Zach Berman, who uh, once faced him in high school baseball. Ah, we talked about his because uh, that was the last time he was benched was was high school, I think. So oh, there you go. So, Zach, you got the best of them. <laughs> my team did, not me. My, my, <laughs> my team did. Yes. Uh, but he was obviously an awesome football player, good basketball player, really good basketball team. Baseball was probably his third sport. So wow, shots uh, fired. I think I'll Matt grab, I'll grab him in the locker room today. <laughs> what position did he play? He played he he pitched against us. He played shortstop. Um yeah, he was a he was a good player, but of course he, he was probably like the all American kid. Yeah. But his his team never beat mine. So that there is <laughs> uh what about what about the Colts on defense, uh Zach? Where are the where are the strengths, where are the weaknesses? Good defense. Good defense. That hasn't been the problem this year. Um in the middle, they're about as good as any team in the league, I would probably say, maybe outside of Washington. Grover Stewart, nobody knows his name outside of Indy. He's been phenomenal at nose tackle. DeForest Buckner's having another all-pro season. The edges aren't as good. They, they cannot get after the quarterback like they need to. Um, this is crazy to say. They, they haven't missed Shaq, Darius Leonard quite as much. Now, they miss his turnovers because he was a turnover machine last year. Had a hand in 12. But um, a couple guys, O'Karake, Zyre Franklin, have stepped up. Um, 
you can get at their secondary. Devontae Adams certainly got the best of their secondary last week, but I'm excited to see Kelsey and company against Buckner and Grover and see who can win that matchup because that's really where this game's going to be won, in my opinion. Is there any sense of optimism in in Indianapolis? I, when the move was made to Jeff Saturday, I kept reading, this is not a tank job. This is not a tank job. And the reality is when you look at the record, it is conceivable that's a talented team for them to go on a run. What's what's the temperature of the fan base right now? Yeah, they're not tanking. Like in, in you made a good point. Like if they if you look at all the moves on paper, you know, benching Matt Ryan for Sam Ellinger, hiring a coach off an ESPN set that had only previously coached in high school, trading one of their running backs, it makes you think they're tanking. And and the way that Jim Ursay knows how to get a quarterback is number one overall. Right. That's been it's ex- either number right. one overall or nothing. Right. right. Um they're not tanking. I mean, you you talk to the guys in the locker room and, and Jeff Saturday, man, he's not here to tank as as well. The temperature is they're starting to believe this might work. And that's a dangerous thing. That's a dangerous thing because you know how this league works, right? Like you win a game and everything's great for the next six days. You lose a game, it's like who can we fire? And the Colts, frankly, for a while there, were running out of people to fire. They fired their OC, (laughs) their head coach, traded a running back. Um, So it's, you know, winning helps everything. And I think the fact that they played Las Vegas was probably perfect because they have their own issues and they don't tackle in the secondary, which makes things pretty easy for your receivers. Um, I think reality is going to hit them pretty hard this weekend. I think Sirianni wants this game. I think he's bothered by the way that Frank Reich was told to get lost. No doubt about it. um, Fired over the phone. Wasn't allowed to play the quarterback he wanted the last couple of days. You know, Nick didn't really want to get into Frank Reich yesterday, but at the end of his statement, he's like, look, you know, one of the greatest football coaches I've ever been around, one of the greatest men I've ever been around. Um, and Frank Reich was that. He absolutely was that and didn't end well here. And, and I wouldn't be surprised if the Eagles get their way, if, if Nick makes a comment or two about how Frank got a raw deal. Yeah, he he said. Um, I think to you guys and to us, like I, I think you guys probably can imagine how I feel uh, about that. And so, yeah, I don't, I don't, I feel like this is a situation yes. where yes. if he has a chance to, uh, to you know, like extend extend the lead late in the game, I think he may take that. And Nick is kind of like that, right? Like Nick is feisty. Like yes, I think is. I don't think he would back down from that. Yeah, I, I, think that's right. I can see Nick peering up toward Ursay's box. <laughs> you know, I could see Nick wearing a Frank Reich shirt in the post game press conference. Oh, absolutely. I like it. Would, that would not yes. surprise me. A Bill's jersey? Yeah. That's good. All right. Well, Zach Keeper, thank you so much for uh, for the insight. We will uh, we'll see you in the press box on Sunday, hopefully. And that'll do it for this episode of Birds with Friends. So for Zach and Zach and Marissa and Tyree and Bo, we thank you for listening. We'll talk to you after the game on Sunday. And as always, we love you.